It'd be good if you could uh, turn your Bibles to Psalm 139. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and we'll, we'll get you a Bible. Psalm 139. There, there is a question that can sometimes arise at various stages in our lives. And that question is, where is God? Where is God? Have you ever asked that question? I know I have at times in, in my life. And that's a question you can ask whether you're a believer in Jesus and you know him as your saviour. Or whether you don't know him as your saviour. Maybe you don't. You say, where is God? I don't, I don't believe there even is a God. I can't see him. I can't uh, hear him. I don't see any evidence of him. And that's a common question we'll also meet out as we speak to people, isn't it? And you say, I'm a Christian. And they say, where is God? Show me God. I can't see him. I can't see him. So there's kind of two sides to this coin. You could also begin to go through things in life and you can be questioning. I just want to look at a couple of different aspects about facets of God from Psalm 139. Firstly, we see from Psalm 139, starting in verse 1 to 6, that God knows everything. God knows everything. Verse 1. O Lord... You have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Probably the the question, where is God, is is actually the wrong question. It's a question that we we can rightly pose uh, in our lives, but actually what we're seeing here is that God actually knows everything about us. Whether or not we know him, isn't that miraculous? We're putting it, God knows all about us, even when we say, where is God? I don't know where he is. I don't know him. He knows us. How deeply as well does God know us? The depth kicks in straight in verse 1, doesn't it? When the psalmist, David, wrote this psalm, he says, O Lord, you have searched me. See, David had a personal experience of God knowing him. Have you had that experience? It's an evidence that God exists when you know that he's searching you. You know that he's aware of you in your life. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. He didn't say you know people generally or you know so and so Betty down the road. He said, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. It was a personal thing, wasn't it? David had had an encounter with the living God. He knew that it existed And God's knowledge of David and his knowledge of all of us is very, very deep. How deep is it? Well, it says in verse 2, it shows us that God knows our actions. Quite scary that one, isn't it, at times? God knows our actions. It says there, you know when I sit and when I rise. That's a kind of description there of all of our daily, all of our actions that we do when we sit and memorize, all the things that we would do in life, God knows it. 
knows all about it. He knows it in every single detail. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Wow. God knows our thoughts. Did you ever think about that before? That God would know what you're thinking about? He knows even our thoughts. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. So God knows our actions. He knows our thoughts. He also knows our day-to-day activities. You think to yourself, well, nobody's really aware of me. Nobody's really watching me. Nobody's really bothered about me. But God is aware and he knows absolutely everything. He sees absolutely everything that's happening in our daily lives. And just in case we didn't quite get the message in the second part of verse 3, it says, you are familiar with all of my ways. So just in case we've left anything out and you're thinking there's maybe something that God doesn't know about in your life that he's missed, that he doesn't quite understand or he doesn't, doesn't, doesn't see, the psalmist tells us no. God sees everything. He knows all things. He sees all things about you personally and individually. Next, and this is quite scary as well, God knows what we're going to say before we even say it. You can get to know someone quite well and you can almost predict sometimes if you get to know somebody quite well what they're going to say. But this is more than that. This is actually God saying, I know that I know that I know what you're even going to say before you say it. That's how deeply he knows us. As we're preparing to spit out the words, he already knows. So the challenging thing about this, for each one of us, and I'm preaching this again to to myself, you always preach to yourself. You don't preach at people, you preach to yourself. God's word and then we all share it in, in it together, don't we? Because God knows all of these things. He sees our actions, he sees our daily activities, all of them. He knows all of our ways, he knows our thoughts, he knows our words, even before we know what they are. That means he knows the good And the bad, doesn't he? He knows the good things that we do, and he knows the bad, the sinful things. That's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging as a Christian. You say, well, I know Jesus is my saviour, and he's forgiven me from, from my sins, and that is true. But we also have to live in a right relationship with God, and we don't just live any old way as a Christian, do we? We're called to live a holy life. We're called to become more like him, aren't we? And David, remember, David was a believer. Yes, it's Old Testament. But David was in a relationship with God. And David, we'll see as we move along, he says at the end of this psalm, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. He's asking God in his prayer life to deal with him. Because he knows it's important how he lives. It's important how he acts. It's important how he speaks. Amen? It's so important. And part of the challenge, what I would say about this psalm is, does it not hit you like a ton of bricks that God sees everything? So there's no point in hiding it, really, is there? It can be an encouragement, this thought of God knowing everything, because when you're going through difficult times and you're getting up in the morning, you're thinking, God, I can't get through today. He knows your situation and he's there for you. So that's an encouraging thing, isn't it? And you think you feel all alone and God's always there with you. That's a great thing to know that God's aware of that and he's there for you. But then on the other hand, if we're not behaving right and if we're clearly doing things that aren't according to his word, that fact that we know God's aware of that and he's, he's searching that, that's, an, that's, that's worrying. That's, that should really unsettle us. So it's a challenge to us as Christians as we would think about this. God's watching us. 
And, and like David, we should be aware of how this knowledge of God, the, the knowledge that God has for us, the fact that God knows everything about us, should challenge the way in which we live our lives. Because we can't play games with God, can we? Like we can with other people. And David had a positive reaction. David dealt with this in, in the sort of way in which we're supposed to deal with this as Christians. He had a reverence for his God. And he stood in awe of his maker. He was aware of how great God was. You see there he said, verse 5, You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. That also could be translated, You cup your hand over me. So if you imagine we're in, you know, as a Christian you're in the hands of, of, of God. And his hands are cu- cupped over you, so you're totally surrounded by him. That's a, that's a symbol of protection. That we're protected by him, that he's all around us. But it's also a challenge in that he knows everything about us, he sees everything, we're, we're there within him. He knows everything. But David took great comfort from that as well. Knowing that God, maybe we're going through a hard time just now, well you're in the hands of God. He's all around you. You're safe and secure in his hands. So we see firstly there, in response to the question, where is God? We actually see it spun around and we see actually God knows us even when we say we don't know him. And he knows everything about us. Secondly, we see that God is everywhere. Look at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is everywhere. See, where is God? Well, he's everywhere. <laughs> he's absolutely everywhere. And you can see it just described in there in the, in the psalm. David's mind is sort of blown away by this. He just simply can't take it in. His words are beautiful, inspired by the Lord, aren't they? They are. Uh, but his mind simply, you can tell he just can't take it in. And what is he saying? He's saying that in this world, we can't get away from God's presence. We can't get away from his presence. In this world. Now that statement that God is everywhere and we can't get away from his presence could have two reactions couldn't it? It could be a positive thing in our minds or it could be a negative thing. Because if we're a a Christian and we, we, we trust in Jesus and we know we have a right relationship with him. We say great. God's everywhere. Everywhere I go. Everything I face in life. The difficulties. The the, the, the trials, the good things. He's there in every single aspect. And that's an incredibly positive thing. But if we're not a believer in Christ, and if we don't know what it is to have a right relationship with God, that would be a fearful thing, wouldn't it? The fact that we don't even maybe acknowledge God exists, and somebody's telling us he's everywhere. You can't hide from him. You're going to have to face him, and you're going to have to answer to him. Was that not the reaction that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden? When they sinned? Before God, what did they do? They hid. They ran. And they thought, if we just hide, cover ourselves up and try and hide away from God, we'll, f- we'll find a place where he'll not see us. Because we've now sinned and we've done something wrong. God told us not to do this. And we've done it. We know we've disobeyed him. And we're hiding. 
But of course, God found them, didn't he? They had to face God. They had to answer to God. And God said, what is this that you've done? And of course, there were consequences for their sins, weren't there? And we've inherited those consequences. But God has put into a plan, a plan of salvation to restore us to himself. Amen? So the reaction to depends on how you stand before God, how you react to this, that God is everywhere. You can either run away from God because you're not living in a right relationship with him. Maybe as a Christian as well, we can run away from God because we know our behaviour isn't right, we know we're doing things that aren't right. And we can, in a sense, they used to call it backsliding uh, in the Christian life when you just persistently do something that is not honouring to God, that he's clearly telling you you shouldn't do, and you consistently do it to the point where you're just ignoring him. He's still there. He's still everywhere. And you're still, we're still all going to have to answer to him, but we kind of play this game as if we can hide from that and run away from that and have this situation where we, we're backsliding. So we can either run away from God because we're not living right before him or we can rest in the arms of God and receive forgiveness. Now remember, it's by grace we're saved in the first place, isn't it? It's not by our works. We do need to receive salvation by grace. And we know that we can rest in God's arms once we receive that forgiveness for our sins. In relation to our circumstances, we can have two reactions to this statement that God is everywhere. We can either feel alone because we don't have a right relationship with God and we don't know that he's there. We don't have a relationship. Or we can feel secure because we know that we're in his arms and that we're right with him. You know, it's okay when everything's going well in our lives and you'll often talk to people who say, I don't need to, all this religion stuff, I don't, don't need all this God stuff. But what's, what happens when things don't go well in life? When we face real, really difficult times and tragedy? It becomes more noticeable at those times, doesn't it? How we stand before God. Whether we have a right relationship with God or not. David knew what it was to be safe and secure in the arms of his God. And he knew that everywhere he went, God was with him. So God knows everything. God is everywhere. But God also created everyone. That's what we all were once. Your eyes saw my unformed body. It says there, I'll read it, Psalm 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to or concerning me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You know, man's wisdom can't explain the creation of human beings. Can it? Can't. The most marvellous creation in the whole world is you and me. Unexplained other than by saying we have a wonderful God who created us. Amen. I think that's one of the most compelling testimonies you could ever share with someone. Look at that wee baby in there. Nobody can explain it. Nobody can imagine the wonders of it. We can observe it. 
How did all that just happen? How does it all just work? You know, you hear this statement with technology. There's one famous technology expert that says, it just works. But you know that technology doesn't just work. It took a great deal of effort to make every bit of technology work. I know because I work with technology. (laughs) It takes great resource, effort, creativity, imagination. And hands form that. And that's just things that men make. Is it not then even logical to think that this miraculous, crea- this miraculous creation has hands behind it? You know, it says there, it says there, you created my inmost being. God's hands are there from the very beginning, from conception. You knit, you knit me together. You think of the, the lady knitting or the guy knitting, if he's learned that skill. Uh, it's quite an intricate art. It kind of weaves together. It moves together. It takes a lot of time and effort, doesn't it? Weaving. And knitting. It takes time. It takes effort. But at the end result, you end up with something like we were gifted recently, a lovely shawl and things like that, which are a beautiful end result. But you have to... There has to be a lot of effort required. A lot of intricacy. A lot of careful work gone into that and this is the type of work that God does on us, isn't it amazing I saw a programme on television once that talks about the eyelids coming over and then a wee there's a wee implement comes across the baby's eye at an exact week in time that cut, cuts the eyelid in the right place so that the baby's eyelid is open uh, and the, the technology we have now is letting us examine that in 3D detail and things like that and they're finding things like that out, how does that happen how does the wee implement come that cuts the... They can't explain it on the programme I watched. <laughs> it just comes and it just perfectly cuts an eye, eyelids in the right place. It's marvellous. <laughs> it's so intricate. It's so complex. It's so perfect. When Bethany was born, I actually text, she's perfect. Because that's what I think. Creation is a perfect thing. There's no mistakes, is there? God doesn't make mistakes. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Again, you see, there's God's knowledge of you and me. There. He saw us. He knew us. Right there at the beginning. When I was woven together... In the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Again, this, this idea of weaving, this idea of making a process that was very intricate. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So, again, just thinking about all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows about our lives. It's a mystery, folks, isn't it? But God's got a plan. The thoughts aren't just the physical thoughts that he had about us when he made us together and he was knitting and weaving and all of those things. A person behind that that he loves, that he's got a plan for, and he says, Joe, I knew all about you before you were, before you were born, and I had a plan for you. I had great, great plans for you. Great plans for everybody in this room. In fact, everybody that he's ever created. The problem is not everybody's aware of that, are they? Not everybody's responded to that knowledge that God has done that. 
Did you know God is thinking about you intensely? Thinking, has thoughts about you? How precious to you or concerning me are your thoughts, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Did you notice the, the psalmist says in verse 18, second half, he says, when I awake, I am still with you. Now that's referring to the resurrection. It's referring to the, the second coming and the last day and the resurrection when those who are in Christ will be raised from the dead. Alex has been speaking for the last couple of weeks about that and it's been challenging, hasn't it? Very challenging thinking about the coming of the Lord because again, it helps us to really think about are we prepared for that last day? Are we ready for that last day? But it's an encouragement for believers knowing that when we fall asleep in the Lord and that's a term used throughout scripture when we fall asleep, that's when we we die physically that we will be awakened. And when we awake, the Lord is still with us. And of course, you know, our minds think about time and space, don't they really? But, you know, as far as we're concerned, you know, we're thinking there about Cathy or our loved one passing away. But as far as Cathy's concerned, the next thing she'll be aware of is being forever with the Lord. That's the the thing she'll, she'll just straight through. Always within the presence of the Lord, never out of his hands. Never out of his hands. Remember Jesus said to the man on the cross, the thief on the cross who believed him in his last moments, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. For that man, he would pass from one life to the other. For that man, there's no more sorrow. There's no more pain. Instantly with the Lord. Although we experience the time gap. We experience the sorrow of loved ones passing away. They don't. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It's a very encouraging thought when we think as we would would go through grief and sorrow that we would know that they don't face that and that we'll see them again one day. And that they've just been transferred into a better place. Praise the Lord. We're in his hands. One commentator says we're in his hands from conception to resurrection. <laughs> from conception to resurrection. I'll just read from 1 Thessalonians 4, the coming of the Lord. Which uh, Alec was speaking about last week. Just to encourage us with these, these words as well on that. Verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. (coughs) Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for his goodness. From conception to resurrection, those who trust in the Lord are saved. We're in our maker's hands. When we die as a believer, we're resurrected to be forever with the Lord. Still in his presence. He'll still know us. He's still going to be everywhere. 
but it's going to be even better because we'll have new bodies. Sin will be gone, done with. There'll be no more tears and no more pain, no more suffering. God will make all things new. Scriptures teaches us about much, much, much better experience than the one that we have experienced here. This is just a shadow of what's to come. A foretaste of glory divine, as the hymn writer would say, that we have just now. It's a far better place that we're going to go to. But there is a problem to face first, the problem of sin. And of course, as Alec was challenging in his last few weeks, we would be wrong not to focus on that. Are we all ready to face that day when we would pass away physically? Are we ready to face our Creator God who knows everything, who has been everywhere and seen everything, who created us and knew all about us? How will we stand before Him? Well, David had a, had a reaction. First of all, he got angry at the evil in the world. Uh, in, in verse 19, he got angry at people who were sinning, who were doing wrong and wicked and evil things. And of course, that is right to be annoyed that Jesus was angry at sin and wrong things. But then he then internalizes and he recognizes he's also got sin in his life. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So David's reaction is the reaction that anybody should have. If we've never come to Jesus, we should be afraid of facing him. We should trust in Jesus so that we don't need to be afraid of facing him because Jesus has died to pay the punishment for all of our sins on the cross at Calvary he did that for us for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him it's not God's will that we perish is it? why would he want that? He intricately created us. He made us. He loves us. But we've got to respond. We've got to respond to his love. David's prayer would be a good prayer for us to close with today. Whether we had never taken a step of trusting in Jesus for the first time, or whether we've been a Christian for maybe many years, that prayer that he had, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we've seen today that God knows everything about us. God is everywhere we go and is in everything that we face. God created every one of us. But we need to respond to all of that because we need to respond to the problem of sin in our own lives. And I trust that everybody, when you speak messages like this, you speak them in love. If you're not sure, trust in Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me from my sins. If you're not sure... Make sure you do that. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we need to be ready. And as a believer, it's a daily prayer. Not one of condemnation, because that's not what the aim of this all is. But we have to come before God and we have to ask Him to help us be right before Him as a Christian. And help us to be more like Him by the power of His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this message today, Lord God. I thank you for how it's encouraged my own heart. And I would trust, Lord, that you would encourage and both challenge myself and everybody in here today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that when we say that you know everything, it is both a challenge and it's a comfort. And in the challenge, Lord, we say, Lord, search us and lead us in your ways. 
Help us to be more like you, Lord, because you know us better than we know ourselves, and you know what's best. And Father, when we think of you, the fact that you are everywhere, we see a comfort and a challenge. We thank you for the comfort, Lord, of knowing that no matter what we face in life or how alone we may feel, how dark a situation may appear to be, that you are there. And you are our protector and our strength as believers in Christ. But we think of it as a challenge too, Lord God, that you are aware and of everything that we do in our lives, Lord God, and you're, you're watching. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us by your grace to respond and, and live the way that you would have us live, Lord God, to be aware of that fact in Jesus' name. And Father, when we think of the fact that you created everyone, you created us individually, that you love us so much that you would have created us. We take comfort in knowing that your thoughts are so marvellous about us, that you have good plans for our life and that we can trust in your plans. You desire good things for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you, you're thinking about us in every situation that we face. But we think of the, the, the challenge in that as well, Lord God, that we are created to serve you. We're created to worship you. We're created to follow you. And we pray, Lord God, you would help each one of us in this church to follow you by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and help us to be doing the things and being the person that you created us to be, Lord, for your glory and for others' benefit, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.